0: We're going to week number 40 in our series on the book of Revelation. Um, This week, it's called Come Out of Babylon. So, as a Jesus follower, do you ever face conflicting voices calling you in two different directions? One voice invites you to come out of the world, and the other urges you to stay comfortable within the world and its system. Look, I'm not talking about, as Christians, maybe a possible struggle between righteousness and wickedness. This is actually a little more subtle than that. My question is, which would you rather be? One who constantly grapples with that tug of war between Jesus and the world every day? Or someone who can live in this world without any kind of tension between following Jesus and loving this world? Which one is better? You know, some people never have the privilege of hearing this call to come out of the world, and their whole life is devoted to nothing more than getting the most joy and comfort out of this world they can. Others will hear some echoes of this call to come out of the world, and they do maybe even for a while, but ultimately they always run back to the comfort that this world offers. But true followers of Jesus will always be caught in a daily fight. That tension can be exhausting, frankly. But today you're going to learn that that tension is also a comfort. It's a struggle, this struggle between the call to come out of the world and the world calling us to stay in. It's a struggle that we are called to embrace and be prepared to face and fight every morning. And the fact that you participate in this struggle is, in fact, some of the very best evidence that you could look for to determine and know for sure if you are a follower of Jesus. It is, in fact, a sign of your spiritual life. Let's look at the passage in Revelation chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. He called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. She has become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, for every unclean bird, a haunt or a place where they live for every unclean and detestable beast. Like squirrels and stuff. (laughs) For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality. The kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. The merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins, lest you share in her plagues. For her sins are heaped high as the heavens, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back as she herself has paid back others. Repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a life like measure of torment. And mourning, since in her heart she says, I sit as a queen, I am no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day death, and mourning, and famine, and she will be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. Boy, Revelation's getting harder and harder to preach. <laughs> There's important history in this passage. I'm going to start off with explaining to you how Sodom, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and the fall of Babylon are both brought together for you in this passage. So John's first century Jewish Christian readers would recognize in this passage these two well-known Old Testament themes. And knowing this is critical if you're going to try to understand and interpret this beautifully complex, incredible passage as a matter of fact, if you try to interpret it without the story of Sodom and the fall of Babylon, you can't do it. So let's look the first theme is this idea of Babylon's fall. The first is the many prophecies of a future fall of this empire of Babylon. If you guys remember Babylon was the first nation to invade Israel and take the land captive. And they were given these prophecies while they were living under Babylonian rule. And other than the promise of a coming Messiah, the fall of Babylon was the most precious prophetic promise Jews had ever hoped for. They wanted to get out of Babylon one day. Babylon was that first world empire of its kind, and it seemed like it would last forever. But God says, no, it will not. Jeremiah chapter 51, verses 55 and 56. For the Lord is laying Babylon waste, instilling her mighty voice. Their waves roar like many waters. Do you remember, by the way, last week we talked about the fact that this beast sits on many waters? Here you go. The noise of their voice is raised, for a destroyer has come upon her, upon Babylon. Her warriors are taken. Their bows are broken in pieces, for the Lord is a God of recompense. He will surely repay And here's another one from Isaiah. See if you can see some similarities here. But wild animals will lie down there and their houses will be full of howling creatures. Their ostriches will dwell and their wild goats will dance. Remember what he described, the fall of Babylon would include all unclean animals. You can clearly see this is undeniably a reference to prophetic falls of Babylon. They would pick up on the language about unclean beasts and howling creatures taking over a fallen city. That is a metaphor for how catastrophic the fall of the world system of Babylon would be. It would have devastating impacts on all of its loyal inhabitants. Its defeat was, in fact, when it finally did happen, when Babylon did fall, its, its defeat was surprising and, and rapid, and leaving all who had built any type of comfort, comfortable life in Babylon, it would left them all destitute and devastated as a new world system took over. So that's the first language they would pick up. They would also pick up on the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and Sodom's judgment. That's the second theme, the warning that Sodom would be judged By fire, we saw the references to fire in the last part of our passage today. There was also a warning that God gave to Lot and his family. Do you remember what it was? Come out of Sodom. Genesis chapter 19, verse 15. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. Do you see the similarities between these passages? This warning and prophecy came to pass That Sodom would be judged within a matter of hours after Lot's family was warned, come out of Sodom. Lot's family was called out of Sodom, and they were, in fact, saved from the judgment that came. But there is a very tragic part of that story. Lot's wife, Scripture says, looked back. This was more than just her going, oh, wow, Sodom, and then boom, pillar of salt. That's not what happened, okay? (laughs) This was more than a glancing, nostalgic gaze of someone losing their home. Let's look at what happened in Genesis 19. The Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. Sounds a lot like our passage today. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Despite the suffering that she and her family had endured through years of living with the wickedness, In Sodom, despite the warning from the angels to get out of Sodom, to come out to avoid the judgment that was going to come down on the city, she looked back longing for the life she had in Sodom. As bad as Sodom was, there was something there strong enough to seduce her to start walking back toward the city. Despite the judgment, her unwillingness to let go of her old life in Sodom had this very strong Powerful grip on her heart, and she just couldn't leave. Her affection for Sodom caused her to mourn its judgment and destruction. And her desire to go back cost her her life. The warning about judgment wasn't enough. She loved the life she had built, this life of comfort she had built in that wicked city, and she loved that more than she loved God. So that's the history. Sodom and the fall of Babylon. Let's look at the theology of our passage. There are two things here. I want you to see there is a warning, and there is a calling. First of all, letters from heaven. Do you guys remember early on when we were studying the letters that Jesus said, John, write this letter to this church in these cities, and there were seven different cities. Two of them were called Thyatira and Laodicea. Jesus warned them. He says, you love the luxuries of Roman life more than you love me. These two cities were known for how they were dominated by the profitable trade guilds. Some of you might remember this. If you were going to be a member of the trade guild, you could be rich and wealthy, but they required a cost, which is you had to participate in pagan worship, in pagan temples. Refusal meant you were locked out of commerce, and you could not buy or sell or trade, and you became poor. Jesus warned the people in that church, resist the temptation of Roman comfort. Don't be seduced by it. You need to come out of the guilds. It's the same warning Jesus gives to all of us. If you don't come out of the world, you face the world's same judgment. So that's the warning. As Jewish Christians, this command to come out of Babylon would take them right back to this familiar call that they would all remember, a very familiar one in Isaiah chapter 40, 48. Go out from Babylon, declare his Declare this with a shout of joy. Send it, to, send it out to the end of the earth. This is a declaration, a proclamation that they would all know. This was a very famous one. Don't get too comfortable in Babylon. God's going to destroy it. Make sure all of God's people know everywhere they live. Remember now, first century Jews used Babylon as a metaphor for what? Rome. That was the empire they lived under at the time. And we've studied this, right, with the earlier references to the number 666 and the seven hills we saw in the last chapter. Those things really would get the attention of John's readers. Oh, wow. John is talking about Rome. That's us he's talking to. And by using language from both of these Old Testament themes of Sodom and the fall of Babylon, what we clearly see is Revelation is teaching them... John's first century readers, and us, how God is constantly, actively calling his people to come out of the world and into his kingdom and saving them, us, from judgment throughout human history. Just like Sodom and Babylon and Rome and every other empire, all of them will be judged, and when they fall, it will be catastrophic to those who are comfortable there. This message is clear. This is the message, the proclamation we see in Isaiah 48. Abandon your allegiance to Rome. Come out of Rome so you don't face Rome's judgment. Now listen, there will be a final empire. And there will be a final generation that will hear this call to come out of the world and escape the world's fate. That final empire, that final generation of believers, when when they are called out, It will be followed by evil's final complete judgment when Babylon or the world system receives everything it deserves. And when it happens, that judgment will be swift and thorough and final with no escape. It's that Armageddon we're hoping for, we wake up to one day. There'll be no mercy and their fate will be worse than Sodom, Babylon, and Rome. That's the warning. But there's also a calling. It's much more this proclamation, then, awarding about judgment, it's also a beautiful, loving, encouraging, merciful calling to us, the redeemed. See, I want you to put on your thinking caps here and try to connect the dots to what Jesus said to his disciples before he left the earth after his resurrection. You ready? See if you can connect here. Go into all the world. Proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Hmm. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Doesn't that sound like come out of Babylon lest you face her judgment? But this is the Great Commission. This isn't Old Testament. Did you catch it? Both proclamations to come out of Babylon and to make disciples and proclaim the gospel are are supposed to go throughout the entire earth. Both proclamations have the same scope. Take it everywhere. Call out people from every nation and every tribe so that my redeemed will not face the judgment of Babylon. Pretty cool, right? Well, there's more. To the end of the age. I want you to see if you can catch this, okay? That's not the only connection between the proclamation and Isaiah says, come out of Babylon and the Great Commission. Look at what Matthew says about the Great Commission. Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Watch this. Remember how I taught you that the seven heads and the ten kings that are on the beast, they represent these cycles of empires taking turns, riding the beast throughout history. And John makes it very clear there's a seventh and there's another one that's an eighth, but it belongs to the seventh. And he was explaining one nation after another, one empire after another will always come until the end each one seducing the unredeemed to give their full allegiance and love for that world system that they live in and whatever it might promise them. And at the same time that that is going on, that the the beast and the nations are seducing people to trust in the world, at the same time, here's God telling his church, while all that's happening throughout the age, proclaim the gospel come out of Sodom, come out of Babylon, come out of Rome, come out of the world, my redeemed. you see how the Great Commission and the call to come out of Babylon, they're actually both designed to be carried to all tribes and all nations throughout human history? This call to come out of Babylon is the Great Commission. They're exactly the same. They are, in fact, throughout redemptive history, the harvest of the redeemed before final judgment. Okay, that's actually pretty cool theology, right? Come out of Babylon is the gospel, it's the Great Commission. Here's the personal section Christian, come out of Babylon. So here's the sermon preview from this week. The gospel is both a prophecy of judgment for the wicked and a loving call to mercy for the redeemed. So, this this call to come out of Sodom, to come out of Babylon, and to come out of Rome and, and every other nation on earth is so relevant for all of us today, isn't it? Come out of Babylon! If you have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, listen and follow me. Abandon your allegiance to any earthly nation that you might love more than the kingdom of God. Yes, even you Americans. This call is terrifying for those who really don't want to leave Sodom or Babylon or Rome or any empire in this world behind, isn't it? Let's go back to Lot's wife for a minute. You know, her inability to heed the call to come out of Sodom is the most tragic part of that story. And we all know people like her, don't we? Those who claim to follow Jesus, but just can't seem to give up the life they have built for themselves in Babylon. Like Lot's wife, They may take a few steps out of the city, but something always beckons them to turn back around and go back in. You know, that judgment of the wicked city wasn't what was sad. That was great. What's sad is that she was so close, but turned around. Her affection for Sodom, even though it was full of wickedness, was stronger than her affection for God. You know, the gospel is the same. For some, their love for Sodom and Babylon and Rome and the world is too strong, and they just will not leave it. They don't have a problem with the gospel, and they might even say that's a really good message, but it's not really what they love. And there are others, those who are wholly content with staying in Babylon, they're never tempted to leave. This call serves as a declaration of their judgment. It leaves them without excuse. Look what John says, the same author of Revelation, in his first letter, 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I mean, it's really hard to argue with that, right? It's right there. No, what does it really mean in the Greek? Well, it means that. (laughs) What about the original language? It's worse there, (laughs) okay? English kind of softens it. You know, for followers of Jesus, see if you can relate to this. This call actually becomes our precious daily struggle. But Babylon remains very tempting for us, doesn't it? Look, While we would never condone wickedness, the pleasure and the luxury and the other stuff that Babylon offers is very seductive. Even followers of Jesus enjoy the comfortable lives we build for ourselves in Babylon. But truly following Jesus might cost us that comfort. I mean, after all, even our Jesus, the Lamb of God that we should be following everywhere he goes, even our Jesus said he didn't even have a place to lay his head. He had no comfort in this world. That's why coming out of Babylon, Christian, listen to me. It will never be easy. Now, the world that can't hear this call can't really understand this. But for us, in an odd way, we know that we find real comfort in this constant daily struggle. Isn't that weird? Like, it hurts so good. (laughs) Sometimes we fail. Sometimes we succeed. But for true followers of Jesus, the desire to come out of Babylon is something that is automatically renewed daily. If you really follow Jesus, each day you walk up, you'll have a desire. I don't want to follow Babylon. I want to follow Jesus. That's how this call, if you'll think about it, to come out of Babylon to avoid her judgment becomes a blessing and an encouragement. After all, John said, blessed are those who read this book. This call to come out of Babylon was for the people of God in the Old Testament, an encouragement. An encouragement. It was for John's first century audience an encouragement and remains so for us as followers of Jesus today. All right, here's why it's an encouragement. There is a specific theological reason why. John chapter 10. My sheep hear my voice. Doesn't that sound like him saying, come, come out of Babylon. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one, not even Rome, or America, or China, or Babylon, or Sodom, no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and the Father are one." These words, right here, the words of Jesus, are the reason this struggle is a comfort. For those of us who have ears to hear the call to come out of Sodom, Babylon, and Rome, and the rest of the world, you know what will happen? We will come out of Babylon. That's what Jesus says, right? My sheep know me, they hear my voice, and they will follow. He doesn't say there's a good chance they'll follow. My sheep know me, hear my voice, and, you know, hopefully they'll come around. (laughs) My sheep know me and hear my voice, and if I scream loud enough, they might finally make that choice. No, the Scripture says, my sheep hear my voice, they know me, and they will follow. No one can pluck them out of my hand. Jesus says his sheep know him, will hear his voice, And we'll follow him. Every one of them. Every one of them will, and I wrote it in my notes with capital letters, will come out of Babylon. You know, we see this theme of God in love, through grace, calling his people out of the world. Let me say it again. We see this theme of God in love, through grace, calling his people out of the world throughout the Old Testament and the New. He is calling us to daily place all our allegiance and affection into his kingdom, not the ones in this world. Christian, come out of Babylon. Christian, come out of Rome. Christian, come out of this world. Embrace the comfort, grace, and mercy of the King of Kings. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians, Therefore, come out from among them. Be separate from them, says the Lord. And when we do that, because we hear his voice and we're his sheep and we know him, when we do that, he says, and I will be a father to you. You shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. Then there's this one in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Okay, so track with me here. This daily call to come out of Babylon is going out right now, today. From here, even right in this moment, in this very room. Perhaps today, for the first time, you can clearly hear God's calling for you to come out of Sodom or Babylon or Rome. Or maybe, perhaps lately, the noise of the busy streets of Babylon, Sodom, and Rome have made it very difficult for you to hear the call very well each day. Either way, Christian, listen to the call. It's a call to proclaim the kingdom of God instead of remaining as pathetic pawns in Babylon's spiritual Ponzi scheme. It's a call for those with ears to hear to let go of the obsession with comfort in Babylon and follow Jesus for a far more abundant life. It's a call to embrace the daily struggle to resist this world's seduction in exchange for life in an eternal kingdom. It's a call to have full awareness of this world's values and philosophy and pleasures and do not be conforming to them. It's a call to place our identity with the Lamb of God and his kingdom before any of the kingdoms of this world. Yes, even this country that we love. I just feel like I should say this. America is a great country. It's not a Christian nation. There's one Christian nation. It's the one that God is calling out of nations like America and China and Russia and Japan and Brazil and any other country you might name. Are you among those who cannot hear this call? Are you among those who are comfortable but hopelessly trapped in Babylon until judgment? Are you like Lot's wife who hears the call and takes a few steps out of the city only to run right back into it? Or do you have ears to hear the call to come out of Babylon and pick up your cross daily and follow the lamb wherever he goes? Dear Grace Life family, Let's embrace this struggle together every day. Because this struggle, this struggle to resist the call of the world and to obey the call of coming out of the world, that struggle will provide that comfort that you truly desire. Dear Jesus, we hear the call. We hear you because you have given us ears to hear, because you, we are your sheep and we know your voice, and so, Jesus, we follow you. We hear your call to come out of the world. We don't want, not only do we not want to face the world's judgment, we want to enjoy your grace and mercy. Not only do you want to escape judgment, we want you to be our father. We want to be your sons and your daughters. But, Lord... Babylon's comfort, Babylon's luxury is very seductive. Dear God, help us to be honest with ourselves. Help us know when we have placed that comfort above following you. Help us to know when we face that comfort above proclaiming the gospel. Lord, there are some here this morning who are hearing this And for the first time, they're thinking, maybe the world isn't what I thought it was. Lord, I pray that you would continue to call them in your grace and your mercy and give them ears to hear so that they can come out. Lord, there are some Christians here who every day struggle and they're on a bit of a losing streak. Lord, I pray that you would encourage them to know that the fact that they are struggling is a sign that you are calling them. Dear Jesus as a church we say to you keep calling every day because we have ears to hear and we want to come out Lord give us the courage and the willingness to embrace this daily conflict. And Lord, help our hearts and minds be comforted by the fact that we would rather be uncomfortable than comfortable in Babylon. We ask you, precious Lamb of God, for all of this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church, we love you.